good morning, everyone, and happy Sabbath. My name is Anil Kanda, as I said earlier. I'm excited about sharing this morning's message. I know the Lord has a blessing in store for us. The Bible tells us uh, his mercies are new every morning. God has fresh mercies, fresh blessings for us each and every day. So thank you so much for uh, this whole weekend. Central California Conference is so excited to be able to team up uh, with the NEC. Um, we're just excited to be able to work with England across the sea. And so I uh, hope everyone else is being blessed. What we're going to do right now is uh, we're going to start with a word of prayer. We're going to invite the Holy Spirit to be here in a very special way. And uh, yeah, let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you so much again for your word. Thank you for a brand new day. Thank you for your promises. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. Very good. You know, it's really interesting. Uh, there's a verse that seems to be uh, sort of uh, coming to the surface uh, with this whole weekend. There's a verse of scripture that we've heard before, but I've noticed it's been said multiple times. And, uh, you know, you can choose a verse, you can choose a theme, but then there are times where God himself will choose the theme or God himself will choose the, uh, the verse of scripture that needs to be emphasized. Well, a, a verse of scripture I'm noticing that keeps uh, making itself known this whole weekend is a verse of scripture found in the book of Isaiah, chapter 40. And uh, you're familiar with these words. It says, even the youth shall faint and be weary, but those that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. When they run, they shall not be weary. When they walk, they shall not be faint. And we love that scripture verse because it's an encouraging verse. It's an encouraging word. But what's really incredible, if you study out the word wait, you're like, well, what does that mean? Does that simply mean patient? Does that simply mean be quiet? Does it simply mean to be silent before God? No, no, no. Uh, wait isn't this, this passive uh, sort of uh, uh, doing of nothing until God does something. No, no. The word wait in Hebrew is the word to, get this, really interesting, the word bind or the word twist around. Now, can you imagine uh, maybe two tree branches that are connected and they're interlocked? You can't pull those things apart. They're not merely just connected. They're, they're wrapped around. Uh, the, 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 the connection is so much more stronger. And essentially the Bible says, look, uh, your waiting, your connecting needs to be something that's that's twisted around, that's that's deeply uh, bound. Uh, the connection is strong. And the Bible tells us what the result will be. And you will renew your strength. God will renew your strength as you move closer and closer to Jesus. This morning, I'm excited about sharing a word that I believe God has for us. You know, it's really interesting if you're living in the United States and, uh, you know, you hear the news outside the United States with the elections. Everyone's voting for a president. So much is at stake. Everyone's getting into arguments. Everyone's posting their comments. Uh, uh, people are, 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 are pontificating upon uh, what's happening right now. Everyone's got an opinion. 
Everyone's got a side. Everyone's got a perspective on this election. People are talking about Bible prophecy. People are talking about the end of the world. People are talking about what's next. Uh, others are happy because they, they see the trajectory of the election. And the last few months, this has been the primary talk of social media, of Twitter, of Facebook, you name it. But what's really crazy is there has been this uh, uh, really intense direction of making sure your vote counts. You've got to vote. Everyone's got to vote. And uh, a vote is so important and so sacred uh, that people are preaching sermons about it. Pastors are, are writing posts. Everyone needs to vote. But you want to know something more powerful than a vote? You're like, well, what's that? Here's what Ellen White says, something so powerful. She says these words right here that I think are, are notable. She says, there is mighty power in prayer. Our great adversary is constantly seeking to keep the troubled soul away from God. An appeal to heaven by the humblest saint is more to be dreaded by Satan than the decrees of cabinets or the mandates of kings. Let me let me uh, let me say that one more time. An appeal to heaven by the humblest saint is more to be dreaded by Satan than the decrees of cabinets or the mandate of kings. Uh, I don't know if you're taking in what Ellen White just says right here. She says, "Look, you want to know what's more powerful than the political decisions of presidents?" or kings, or rulers, or leaders? You want to know what's more powerful than the decision-making cabinets and uh, the administration of uh, governing bodies? Is the power of prayer. In other words, your prayers have more power to affect this world than your voting does. Your your power uh, of prayer, your prayer uh, has more power to affect this world than elections do. Uh, because when you pray, heaven hears, and prayer is, is is the arm that moves heaven. Today we're going to be taking a good look in the Bible, in the book of Daniel. We're going to the book of Daniel, chapter six. And in this book, we can see and experience the, the power of Daniel's prayer. We're in the book of Daniel, chapter 6. The book of Daniel, chapter 6. You know, it's really interesting. When you go all the way to the very end of the book of Daniel, do you know what the last few words given to Daniel are, by the way? The Bible tells us in Daniel 12, uh, God tells Daniel after the entire book of Daniel, after the entire life of Daniel, he says, he says, Daniel, go your way and rest. You're going to sleep, Daniel. You're about to die, but you will rise again. You're like, that's it? No, that, no, I want you to take in what was just said. What God essentially tells Daniel is, look, Daniel, you're about to go to sleep. But when I return, you're going to rise again. Daniel, with all his successes, Daniel, with all his uh, model example of, 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 of 
what it means to be a Christian living in the time of Babylon. Daniel, with all his uh, uh, learning, his abilities, his influences, with all his promotions, and all the things scripture says about him. The success that is crowned upon Daniel at the very end is the most important success. Where Daniel is given a promise of eternal life. Daniel was given a promise of eternal life. And, and all that took place in the book of Daniel led to that, just that, that climax, the very end in the book of Daniel. Daniel, you got an assurance of eternal life. That's powerful. We're in the book of Daniel. We're going to Daniel chapter six. Daniel chapter six. Let's start with first verse. The Bible says these words right here, Daniel chapter 6, verse 1. And it pleased Darius to set over the kingdom 120 satraps to be over the whole kingdom and over these three governors of whom Daniel was one. that The satraps might give account to one so that the king would suffer no loss. This Daniel distinguished himself above governors and satraps because an excellent spirit was in him. And the king gave thought to setting him over the whole realm. So the governors and satraps sought to find some charges against Daniel concerning the kingdom, but they could not find charge or fault because he was faithful, nor was there any error or fault found in him. Then these men said, we shall not find any charge against Daniel unless we find it against him concerning the law of his God. So the governors and satraps thronged before the king and said to him, O King Darius, live forever. All the governors of the kingdom, the administrators and satraps, the counselors and advisors have consulted together to establish a royal statute and to make a firm decree that whoever petitions any god or man for 30 days, except for you, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions. Now, I want you to note the context here because it's really powerful. What's happening is Daniel is, is through his uh, excellence of character, uh, through his uh, attention to detail, through Daniel's faithfulness in little things, God is exalting Daniel. But not simply so Daniel can write some kind of self-help book and sell it on Amazon. No, 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 no. The reason why God is exalting Daniel is because God has divine agendas at play. You see, Babylon uh, was recently taken over by the Medes and the Persians. Yet through what was happening, God was about to fulfill prophecy and he was about to send the children of Israel back to their home so they could uh, rebuild Jerusalem, rebuild the temple, and so that the Messiah could show up and his glory be revealed. There was a divine agenda at stake. God was, uh, through Daniel, bringing him up to the top so that he could have an influence eventually upon King Cyrus, who would free the Jews. And the Bible tells us these really interesting words. It says, Daniel was faithful. And as he was faithful, uh, the king noticed it. And he was holding these other leaders, these other governors, these other satraps, and uh, he was holding them accountable. And it was very apparent to these people as long as Daniel's in charge, we're going to be held accountable. That means we're going to have to be honest. That means we're going to have to be just. That means we're going to have to be fair. They were concerned because they could no longer get away with unrighteousness. You know what's so powerful? When God is doing something through a person, 
The enemy doesn't like it. When, when God is working powerfully through an individual, the devil begins to instigate circumstances, situations, and people against you. You know, I have a German shepherd, and he's probably awake now because I'm yelling in my house preaching. And uh, it, it's really interesting. Uh, my German shepherd hero, he, you know, he likes to sleep near the window that's facing the road. I live in the middle of an orchard. And uh, Hero, every time he sees a, a car pull up, like a, let's say it's an Amazon delivery service fan, it pulls up and Hero starts barking. I mean, my dog, he's friendly. He doesn't bite. But when someone is pulling up, I mean, he turns into the guard dog. You, you know, uh, you know, it's like, where'd this dog come from? Yeah, he starts barking like crazy. He starts growling and snarling. And you're like, what kind of dog is this? But what's really crazy is this. Anytime someone's pulling up, they're driving by, he starts barking like crazy. But when I take him outside and my truck is parked out there, my Prius is parked out there, there's a trailer parked out there, he'll run around those vehicles and he's not barking. You're like, what's the point? The point is this. Dogs don't bark at parked vehicles. They bark at moving vehicles. Let me say this one more time. Dogs don't bark at parked vehicles. They bark at moving vehicles. When there's movement in the kingdom, the devil starts barking. The devil's not worried about the parked vehicles. No, no, no. When there's a movement, when God is up to something in somebody, the devil starts barking. Uh, he gets threatened, he gets upset, and he starts instigating influences against you. And oftentimes we're looking at the situation, we're looking at people, we're looking at what's happening, even ourselves, and we can become discouraged. But we live in a world where there is a great controversy, where there is a conflict, where there is a battle. There is an antagonistic pressure uh, laid upon the people of God when they are doing something for the kingdom. Let's continue with this story. Decree was written. Daniel knew about it. He knew what these men were up to. You see, Daniel was discerning. But Daniel was also trusting. Notice what it says in verse 10. Now when Daniel knew the writing was signed i love these next few words here it is three words he went home period let me read this one more time now when daniel knew that the writing was signed three words he went home period like what look here's the thing to understand the writing meant Daniel's death. The writing meant Daniel was going to be thrown from his position. The writing meant that Daniel was now going to have to be in opposition to the king. Because of Daniel's faithfulness to his God, he would not bow down or pray to a man. And Daniel picked up on what was happening. And as soon as the writing was signed, it tells us three words. Daniel went home. You're like, what? 
it doesn't say Daniel fled uh, that area. Daniel fled Babylon. It doesn't say that uh, Daniel began to change his identity. Daniel began to hide. No, no, no. You see, Daniel had a way of dealing with problems. Daniel had a way of dealing with trials and challenges and situations. He went home. He went home? Yeah, he went home. Because in his home, was the place he would pray. Notice what it says next. And in the upper room, with the windows open towards Jerusalem, he knelt down on his knees three times that day. He prayed and gave thanks before his God, as was his custom since early days. You see, what Daniel understood was more powerful than the mandate of kings or of cabinets or government. What Daniel understood was the most powerful force in the universe was to pray to God. An appeal by the humblest of saints is more powerful than the mandate of kings or of cabinets. Daniel knew how to solve his problems. He went home. You see, in Daniel's home was his prayer closet. In Daniel's home, was the place he would pray. You know, it's become really interesting. I've been convicted about this. Um, about a month ago, I, I was reading something that uh, was a devotional, and it was telling, saying that every Christian, every believer, every prayer warrior should find a place to pray. Now, I've seen the movie War Room, okay? Uh, you don't, I don't need to watch any movie uh, about finding a place to pray. But then when I was reading this devotional, it was pointing out that Jesus also had a place to pray, a sacred place to pray. Well, how do you know that? When you read the Garden of Gethsemane, it tells us essentially he had been there before. He knew where this garden was, and this was his place to pray. So I'm reading this devotion. I thought to myself, well, I live in the middle of an orchard, okay? Uh, where am I going to find a place to pray? My, my house is an older house. Uh, there's not a closet I can find or another room that's available. So I thought about this, and I thought, man, Lord, you'll help me find a place to pray. And I went out one day. It was like a couple days later. And as I was walking, getting my exercise in, I noticed this spot. And I'm like, hmm, I'm just going to walk towards this spot. Wasn't thinking about anything. And it's the part of the orchards where the sun, the sun rays just come in. There's a, there's a beam of light from the sun upon this spot. And, and the, the trees form this like natural canopy. And I walked in there and I prayed. And when I left that spot, I felt good. The next day, I went to that same spot and I prayed. I've gone there almost every day that I've been home. And when I go out there, sometimes I'll go out there to pray. Sometimes I'll go there just to reflect. Sometimes I'll go there to ask God for wisdom. I'll go there to unload uh, my burdens. I'll go there to find strength. I'll go there to find peace. And it's been so incredible that when I write down my daily duties and daily goals, I include praying in my prayer spot. 
Now, if if it was daytime over here, I could open up this window. There's a window right behind me, and you can actually see the spot. <laughs> it's right there. It's it's like maybe about uh. 80 or 90 feet away, just under these trees. And it's been so incredible because the Lord helped me to find my prayer spot. And I've gone there, and every time I've gone there, I've been so blessed. I find strength in the Lord. I find peace. I find guidance. I, I find uh, the ability to keep going forward. My strength is being renewed. Just like we read in the book of Isaiah chapter 40 in the very beginning, right? Those that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength, right? The word wait means to bind. It means to twist around. Just like these, these trees, their branches twist around. And they're just this, there's just this connection there that's so strong, that's so tight. It's not merely just a, a you know, a, a superficial connection. This is a, a super tight, the, 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 the connection is, is bound. It's, 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 it, there's just a binding that's happened there. You can't remove this easily. Daniel had his prayer spot. His prayer spot was right, right before the window. He would open up the window and he would pray. This was his custom. This is how he dealt with trouble. This is how he, he was able to cope with the situation. As soon as as the writing was signed, he went home. Daniel didn't flee. Daniel didn't run. Daniel didn't call up all his friends. What Daniel did is he went home. Daniel knew there was one place that he could go that was his refuge, his strength. It was the place where he could find wisdom. And that was his home where he would pray. What a powerful example that is left for the people of God. Look, I really want to challenge you guys. If you haven't found a prayer spot or that's not even on your radar, put it on your radar. Uh, you'll be so surprised the, the amount of blessings, the amount of grace you receive uh, when you have this simple prayer spot. So powerful. Let's continue with our story. Notice what the Bible says in the book of Daniel chapter 6. It says, and in the upper room, verse 10, with his windows open towards Jerusalem, he knelt down on his knees three times that day, prayed and gave thanks before his God, as was his custom since early days. Look, there's so much to talk about when it comes to prayer, but I think there's something important here that we need to understand, a really important element of this whole experience of Daniel is that what Daniel thought was so important to prayer that it was something that could not be separated was this idea of gratitude. He attached gratitude to his prayer. And we're not just talking about occasionally. The Bible says this was his custom, uh, not just to pray, but to give thanks. What really is so important to finding faith in crisis, in finding faith in, in, in situations where the pressure is really high, is to always make sure gratitude is part of your meditation. Gratitude is part of your reflection. Gratitude is part of your prayer experience every day, multiple times a day. 
Because what gratitude does, gratitude changes our, our, our sort of our perspective. Gratitude changes the trajectory of our thoughts and it places it upon heaven. You see, the problem with Peter is when he was walking on water, he took his eyes off Jesus and he began to look at what was around him. And as soon as he did, he began to sink. Giving thanks, it redirects our spiritual vision upon God. It, it strengthens our faith. It gives us hope and confidence in what God can do for us. You know, it's so powerful when you actually study out the shortest verse in all of scripture. You want to know what the shortest verse in all of scripture is? I know what somebody's going to say. They're going to say, oh yeah, easy. Jesus wept. John chapter 11. Well, you want to know something? That's true in the English Bible. If you read a Bible that's uh, it's got the English language in there, that's true. But did you know in Greek, Greek, there's a scripture verse that's even shorter, smaller than Jesus wept. It's actually two words and 14 letters. You see, Jesus wept is two words and 16 letters. But this verse of scripture, two words and 14 letters. Well, what verse of scripture is that? The Bible says in the book of 1 Thessalonians, rejoice always. In Greek, that's actually shorter, a shorter verse than Jesus wept. Rejoice always. Rejoice always. And you know what else you find in that same chapter? Give thanks for this is the will of God concerning you. Giving praise, giving gratitude to God strengthens our faith. It redirects our spiritual vision. It, 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 it grasps the promises of God. It, 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 it's very uh, uh, breathing out. It's very expression. Uh, cheers us up, right? And it, it helps us to find confidence in, in difficult times and circumstances. Giving thanks is so important. You know, one day I, I was working as a youth pastor. This was years ago when I first started doing ministry. And uh, I was driving this really old Honda Accord. I had bought this for like four or $500. Somebody just wanted to get rid of it. And I drove that car for about six, seven months. I started this new job working as a youth pastor. Wasn't making much money. Was renting out a home. Had a roommate. And uh, one day as I was driving to work, I turned on the Christian radio station. And uh, the Christian radio station was playing a song. Then the song ended and the host said, and now our scripture verse for the day. It's found in the book of Philippians chapter four. It says these words, be anxious for nothing, but by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, make your request known to God and the peace of God shall fill your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. I thought, wow, great scripture verse. As soon as the radio host was done talking, this is what happened. My vehicle, the steering wheel froze up. I couldn't turn it anymore. And so what I did is I just muscled up and I just turned that steering wheel as hard as I could, turning on only a few inches. And my car, as I was driving, the power stopped. And it was just rolling and it just started turning when I turned the steering wheel. I pulled over on this residential street and I'm like, oh no, opened up the hood and all this smoke came out. I'm like, 
this this is this is bad. This is bad. It's bad because my car's messed up. I don't got money. What am I gonna do? And I was just sitting there sulking when instantly the voice of God spoke to me and said, Did you not remember what I just said to you? I'm like, what? And I remembered that verse of scripture, be anxious about nothing, but by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, make your request known to God. And you know what happened? I said, Lord, I'm going to thank you right now. I don't feel like thanking you, but I'm going to thank you. And I'm going to praise you right now because I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know what I'm going to do in this situation. I don't know how I'm going to get out of this situation, but Lord, I've committed this situation to you and I'm going to thank you. And let me just tell you something. God was testing me that day. You know how I know that God was testing me that day? Because when the tow truck driver came, you know what happened as soon as he attached my car to his tow truck? His truck stopped working. His truck actually stopped working. He moved about one inch. His truck stopped working. Something happened in the engine and we were stuck. He opened up the hood. All this smoke came out. And I'm just sitting there. I'm like, what could this day not get any more worse? But the Lord reminded me, did you not hear what I just said to you? I said, oh yeah, Lord, I'm just going to thank you right now. I'm going to praise you right now. I called my friend. He took me to, his, to my house, went home. I didn't know what I was going to do. Didn't know what I was going to do. I, I, I had no idea. But the Lord said, remember my word. So I said, God, I'm going to thank you. I'm going to praise you. I know you got a way out of this situation. I had to go to work the next day. There was no car for me. I walked to work. Waved to everybody as I was walking. Even church members were driving by waving at me. And they saw their one of their pastors walking. And I was, <laughs> wow. This happened for a couple of days. But each day as I was walking, I'm like, Lord, I'm going to thank you. And it was good. You know, I got some good exercise. Got to connect with people. But I was thinking, I don't know how to get out of this situation. But I, 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 I just couldn't think about it. So I just said, Lord, I'm going to thank you. I'm going to praise you. Finally, uh, one day a church member calls me up and says, hey, Anel, I heard your car broke down. I'm like, yeah, it broke down. I, it's, it's bad. The timing belt broke. It's a, it's a bad situation. And they said, hey, well, you know what? I got a car you could borrow. I said, thanks. So uh, I got a ride to the house. And I got to drive this Jeep Rubicon. I don't know if you know what a Jeep Rubicon is. It's an amazing vehicle, a four-wheeling drive vehicle, very powerful, very awesome. I got to drive this thing for a whole month. It was amazing. I loved it. After I drove it for a whole month, my, my these church members called me up and they said, hey, Anel, um, we need our vehicle back. I'm like, okay. And as I was driving there, I'm like, Lord, what am I going to do? I, I have no way to get out of this situation. You know, you know my situation. And the Lord kept reminding me, thank me. This is a time for you to exercise faith. Offer the sacrifices of praises right now. This is what David said. You know why it's sometimes called the sacrifice of praise? Because it's not easy. So I said, Lord, I'm going to thank you. You have this situation in your hands. I'm not going to worry about it. I'm going to commit it to you. I don't even know how I'm going to get back to my house. Got there. And uh, as I was dropping off the keys, they said to me, they said, so what do you think? I said, about what? They said, we got you a car. I'm like, what? They said, we got you a car. I'm like, are you kidding me? They're like, yep, we got you a car. I'm like, what car is it? 
And they're like, go outside. So I walk outside, right? This is funny. I, I walk past the Jeep Rubicon. I walk past their, their, their Mercedes Benz. And I was looking around. I'm like, hey, I don't see it. They're like, it's around the corner. <laughs> so I walk around the corner. And you know what I see? I see this black VW Beetle. Okay. <laughs> a VW Beetle. They got me a VW Beetle. Anyways, look, uh, out of all the cars that you think would fit a, a six foot two Indian, a VW Beetle is not it. Okay. But let me tell you something. That car was amazing. I had that car for about seven years and that car got me to where I needed to go. That car, I could park it anywhere. I could pack anything in that little car. That dome-like structure was, uh, it could be utilized for space. No problem. Let me tell you something. That car was what I needed and it became my car. I love that car. And it, it, you know, had a sport stick shift. I mean, it was great. It was fantastic. That vehicle. The Lord took care of me. The Lord took care of me in that situation. And in that situation, he left me with this lesson that I would not forget. How important is the power of gratitude? How important is the power of praise attached to our prayers? You see, this is how we find strength. While we're waiting upon God, right? Like the Bible says in Isaiah 40, we need to wait upon God. Let me say that one more time. While we're waiting on God, we need to wait upon God. We need to be involved in his service, in his worship, in his praise, in all in his church, in any way that we can while we're waiting on God. While we're waiting on God, we need to wait on God. Daniel worshiped God. He continued his praise and his supplication for Jerusalem. You see, prophecy was close at hand. And Daniel knew it was important to pray. Daniel knew it was important to intercede. Daniel knew it was important to be part uh, of this uh, connection with heaven because so much was at stake and heaven was about to move on behalf of the people of God. While Daniel was waiting on God, Daniel was waiting on God. This is an important lesson for us uh, in these strange times. Look, 2020 isn't over yet, right? 2020 isn't over yet. And uh, the world's about to get a, a whole lot stranger. My guess is 2020 is going to be the new norm. You may not like that. But here's the thing. As we get closer and closer to the very end of time, the world is going to be more and more unpredictable. Uh, what can be shaken is being shaken. Our only hope and confidence is in Jesus. And as we see the life of Daniel, as we look at the life of Christ, as we see Christ going out into the wilderness, as we see Christ praying, and we see Christ even waiting upon God as he's waiting for God. As we see Daniel, we see the life of Christ uh, played out in his experiences. And it's left for us as a lesson book in these times. You see, there's so many important lessons. When you study out the book of Revelation, it's end time events. When you're studying out the book of Daniel, the first few chapters tells us how a man lived in events that's very similar to those that are found in the book of Revelation. You want to know what faithfulness looks like? Look at the life of Daniel. Why is Daniel faithful? Because the spirit of Christ was in him. 
because because God was in him. The Spirit of God was upon Daniel in his prayer experience, in his turning to God, in his consistency, in, in his gratitude, in his worship. Daniel found strength. And you know what happened at the end of the book of Daniel chapter 6? God turned it around. And those lions that were meant for Daniel came upon the enemies of Daniel. God turned that whole situation around and even the king exalting Daniel. So much so that the next kings that come down the road, King Cyrus, was so touched by the, the, the stories and experiences of Daniel that when he heard the word of Daniel, he made a decree to let the people of God go back to Jerusalem to rebuild the temple. One man one individual made an appeal to heaven and it was more powerful than all the mandates of cabinets, kings, presidents. An appeal to heaven brings us into the most, connects us to the most powerful force in the universe and that's God. Amen? Amen. Let's bow our heads for a word of prayer. Father in heaven, we just thank you. God, thank you for the word. Thank you for the story of Daniel. Thank you for showing us that in these times, Lord, you hear our prayers. Thank you that an appeal by the humblest saint is more powerful and more dreaded by Satan than all the cabinets of men and kings. Lord, may we trust the power of prayer for what you can do for us. Bless my friends. Bless this. Uh, continue to bless this summit. It's time together in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you.